When you're deep in a dark dungeon and the cleric's down and dying And you've taken all the potions you had left And you feel like you are doomed because that demon you set loose is coming after you And you can smell its breath Don't ever give up Hello, welcome to The Real Point Exchange. This is Adam And joining me tonight are my alphabetically ordered co-hosts Aaron It's me, Chris <laughs> Patrick Uh... Vince, Vince is here too. Hi, I'm not normally here. <laughs> hey, welcome aboard, Vince. It's good to have everybody here. Chris, great to have you back as well. So, I am no longer trapped in the work dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Escape from Florida is. We could probably do it. Like, what's that? Um, uh, the sprawl. We could do it. I'm not a very good game snake Called uh, Escape from <laughs> Escape from Miami. Escape from Fort Lauderdale. I don't know. Uh, Escape from the Floridian spreadsheet mines. <laughs> yeah, so um, today's topic is is sort of something that came out of a pitch we had in the group me for a, a one shot. We were in you know one shot season because people were moving and whatever. And I pitched a scenario that I'd been mulling over for a while. The idea being that you were a bunch of uh, journalists poking around a, a billionaire's estate, discovering something horrible because this was going to be a Delta Green or a Call of Cthulhu game, uh, and then obviously bad things happen to you, and it could be a, a scenario seed. Because the last thing in the news I'd read that day was Alex Jones was going to be trying to sue Peter Thiel, which, <laughs> good luck, Alex. Um, <clears throat> they can kill each other. Yeah, so my sort of pitch was like, okay, you, you are a bunch of pizza gators. Uh, trying to, you know, self-investigate, quote-unquote, uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, I guess if if we were, if I was pitching this now again, it would be the other guys trying to put a bomb in George Soros' mailbox, because, eh. um, But the reaction we got to that was like, we didn't mind the premise, we were just uncomfortable playing those people. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so that's sort of where we're getting into tonight, like the, the idea of the concept of I guess playing the asshole, and and when is that fun? When is that necessary? And when does that you know never mind just like you how people at the table are going to you? When does that feel bad in yourself? Yeah, uh, I have a couple of times I've, I've thought of where I've played like a character that I would consider like fucking monstrous and and I like it and and made it me feel gross. Um, I remembering a a vampire. Uh, I played uh, a few years ago back at uni, who was, you know, a, a manipulator and very crass. And I had to sort of change how I thought to get into the manipulator vampire mindset. And I didn't like where it took me. Um, so I guess you could say, like, like as, as at a time that told me empathy, I guess it's also a good space to talk about, like, the difference between a, a good character and a well-constructed character. So uh, does anyone have any, uh, shall we say, other examples of when this might this might come up, you know, playing a a bad person for a good reason, or even for a bad reason. Well, I honestly mainly play shitty people. No. Well, <laughs> except for Operator, who's perfect in all ways. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I, I have to admit, like, a lot of it with me is getting some of my baser impulses out, because uh, Patrick mentioned being kind of manipulative for this character. I am sort of manipulative by nature, so I try very hard to not do that in my real life and kind of get that out in pretend elf games. So you'll get people like Operator from the Red Markets game or Benson Blizzard. from the Nozzle. <laughs> uh, Blizzard is perfect and he's done nothing wrong. 
Um, but like Benson from Tech Diff Snow Soul game, like they are people with goals that aren't necessarily evil. Like Operator was a bloodless monster and Benson is falling apart, but he's trying to do right. He's just doing it in the fucking worst way possible. But that's kind of how I go about it. Like I, I, I kind of rein in my worst impulses and use them in game for ways that could be at least seen as mildly noble. I was going to say, I tend to play bad character. That is the wrong way to describe most of the characters I play, but they turn out, they turn out the way they do mostly on accident. Is it because you have no sense of self-preservation? No, but you do have no sense of self-preservation. It's more, it's more, what's the most interesting thing I can do right now? Followed immediately by what's funny. (laughs) Like what's, what won't people expect, which is how you get characters setting themselves on fire. Anyway. I think that with myself, I'm thinking about one of the characters that I played in a game with, uh, Chris, when we were doing the Delta Green game, actually, uh, Vince and Patrick, I kind of tried to bring his character back a while back in a uh, Delta Green game that we'll be posting next month. But I played a uh, Delta Green agent that I tried to play more or less like a sociopath. Uh, I had watched maybe two seasons of Dexter when I had watched this. And of course, he's psychotic. And Mm, no, he's not psychotic. He's psychopathic. Psychopathic, excuse me. Wrong word. But you know, so I, I played a very uh, heartless person who just cut people away from them. Like, quite literally, like, there was a soldier that got injured in this Delta Green scenario, Caligate. And rather than pack his uh, dying hind in around, I had him murder. Oh, was uh, this fucking Milton? Yep. God fucking damn it. <laughs> and people say I'm the monster. And, like, you know, and there's actually, and I'll even link it in the show notes if anybody's interested. The first time that I ever met Laura from Tech Diff, it was in an RPPR pat, uh, Patreon game for The Storm. And I was playing uh, Melvin, not Milton. And I was oh, playing no. Melvin, and there was, like, an NPC that was killed, like, injured in an attack, and I got a chance to save him. I'm like, no, fuck him. And then there was a chance I had at the end of the scenario where... I could have like did the noble sacrifice and probably saved the world from an next threat, and I'd save my own ass. But kind of going to add like a little difference to it here. I mean, I can be cold and heartless in general, like in real life, just depend on the situation and the mood and all that. But I don't really feel uncomfortable playing this kind of character because I really believe that people who know me and have been around me, or hopefully those that listen to me, kind of have a sense of who I am and can kind of clearly differentiate between Adam and Melvin, the psychopathic or sociopathic uh, Delta Green agent. And that was what kind of was my, eh, on Patrick's scenario there, I felt like, you know, given if someone didn't get the right context, I was afraid that they would see this as something different and I was uncomfortable with it. I think we may have strayed from, like, the initial, like, point of the first question in, like, sort of defining what we're talking about when we're talking about problem characters and problem character types, Um, which is, like, a thing that will happen when you're talking about RPGs because they're sort of intensely personal and it's all personal stories. But, like, when we're talking about these things, what are we actually talking about? What kinds of people are we talking about playing? Uh, I guess on the most simplistic level, it could be the the rogue character, for example, in Dungeons and Dragons, the thief, the heartless bastard, the class, 
Well, when the idea I sort of had when we sort of listened to everyone, you know, sort of sharing talks, I think we were all sort of okay with someone who pl- does bad things for a good reason. You know, the the anti-hero type, the stuff that makes me feel uh, if he, you know, is someone who would hurt someone else to hurt someone else. Like I think that's part of what made the alt right premise so squeaky to a lot of us is like they're not out there because they think they're doing a good thing i think they're out there because they want to smash things and and hurt people Uh, a lot of what you know the logic but a lot of the logic i thought when i was playing victor is like well he has this goal everyone else was saying like operator has goals and while hurting people was gonna happen in in pursuing those goals it wasn't the point uh, whereas I think one of the reasons we had such people had such a strong reaction to Milton, uh, sorry, Melvin, uh, Melvin Osborne, is I don't think there was that clear, uh, like purpose-driven motive behind uh, the 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 monstrosity. So it came across as a lot more monstrous. Yeah. yeah, he was out for himself, which was terrifying. But everyone else, but everyone else gets the um, like. My parents died, so I'm going to do bad things to get revenge on that. Like that yeah. archetype is so strong, like to justify the. Maybe the same kind of conduct, and maybe Melvin didn't have that, and the old right premise wouldn't have that. What do we think of that? Well, I mean, I wonder then about this. I wonder then about like uh, playing explicit criminals or playing, like in the case of that one Glancy game, like ISIS people who were going to get eaten by some sort of Narlotha type thing in a coffin. Like in cases like that, where you're just sort of playing bad people who are doing things for selfish or bad reasons like is there a difference between say extended campaign play or like one shots where you're functionally reliving a horror movie or telling a horror movie through rpg play i think you have to go in with the right minds that like uh the the glancy game iconoclasts it's you are very much playing monsters but even then these guys were they're not like isis proper they're like fucking isis's social media team yeah, I mean, so. Yes, he, he, he took, uh, I re listened to it recently. He takes quite good pain to be like, you're not the guys committing the atrocities, but you are the guys filming them. So even then, he puts that remove in. Well, I mean, if you're playing alt right guys, are you not just playing like a massive social media team for fascism on the internet? Oh, yeah, that's why I can't, I would not be able to play an alt right character in general. And I'm sorry to all our alt-right fans. Um, I hope you all choke on a brick oh, that I'm not I sorry. shove into your goddamn <laughs> teeth. Well, yeah. I'm, not like, I'm not like playing the devil's advocate to like get you to play an alt-right character, but I am yeah, wondering no. about no, the difference there. Because we're talking about like a paramilitary organization that like films beheadings and like captures cities and people who beat people up at like torchlit rallies in America. You know, yeah. who also think, have that same social media presence. So, like, what is the the difference there? Is the remove like a cultural one because we are not like America isn't contributing to ISIS fighters? Is the, is is it because it's too overgrown? Like, what? I think for me, the the difference is that I've actively like broken a proud boy's teeth. Mm. So we fought someone from ISIS. Okay, you say that like it's impressive. I've seen those motherfuckers fail to rip up cardboard. <laughs> I know it's. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying it's impressive. I'm just saying that like proximity makes it easier for Harder. me to like be like fuck those guys in particular, and I would never do anything for them. Yeah. So is it also is it also an error? I want you to jump in on this. You're being kind of quiet here, but is it also kind of like 
our proximity toward this this shit is happening in our countries right now, whereas opposed, like you were saying, ISIS is over there and all. It's just our removal as a player that allows us to completely distance ourselves as opposed to, you know, we wouldn't have to look too far in our everyday lives to find some kind of asshole that uh, claims these beliefs. You know what I mean? It'd be pretty easy to play a proud boy in Eberron. Ugh. Ugh. God. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? Ugh. Ugh. Sorry, I'm just thinking about it. Ugh. Would Would they scale with the challenge rating? Would you end up with, like, a dire boy? <laughs> uh, dire boy is my werewolf lover, and I will <laughs> not besmirch his good name. Thank you. Oh would you, well, would it's you not end up with fault. a boy golem? <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault dire boy voted for... I don't know any... The un, I don't know anything about politics in Eberron. The evil. dragon marked house of evil trains. Evil something fantasy bullshit. Yeah. Uh, don't don't at me, nerds. I'm fantasy Tron. Around for a second. So like we're so like the the closeness to like a real life proxy for like pain and suffering is like a pretty big deal here. But yeah. like, are we also sensitive to like? the way that problematic characters might not be just bad people, but portray things that are particularly sensitive in sort of the broader cultural sphere. Like, is that something that factors into this too? Could it be, could I interject and say that perhaps it also could be that we want, you know, since we all have strong feelings about this, this, these character types, there is nothing redeemable that uh, at surface level that I could point out. If I were playing a thief in Dungeons and Dragons, you know, I can just, I, yeah, I've done bad shit and all that, but I could kind of justify that. Whereas I'm actually dealing with this, you know, uh, particular topic here. And I just, that's why. I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm finished. No, I was petering off. Oh, I was just going to say, that's why anytime I play like, a character who is let's say morally questionable i do my best to not make them completely monstrous like there's there's definitely some sympathy there like okay i can see how this happened or how this person might end up this way instead of look how bad i am if that makes sense yeah like you know in chris's ua campaign abe was not what i would call a good person but he wasn't he's like not, he's not what anyone would call a good person no, but he's also not an irredeemable monster, and he's he's a character that I could see, given the choice, would do the right thing sometimes. If that if that makes sense, like I think you just have to determine what kind of bad you want to portray. I guess I don't know if that makes any kind of sense at all. No, it makes sense. I, I see exactly what you're getting at because with like um, operator, I was going for corporate evil. Yeah, it's like. I don't know, like, Munchkin kills the shit out of people, but it's not, like, because she enjoys killing. It's just, that's her job sometimes, you know? And Mama Gus to make that money. Yeah. So, you know. We can also, like, I think we need to sort of move this, because it's an RPG podcast, into the space of one of the the, the biggest RPG out there. I think we do need to talk alignment if we're talking about this. Because games like D&D, Pathfinder, Starfinder... Uh, approach this sort of thing with like an extremely simplistic i'm not advocating it system of like nine points on a scale and like it presents them all as like essentially inherently equal right 
Like, even though the default narrative assumes you're a good guy, there is nothing, nothing at all that stops you going, like, I'm going to play a chaotic evil bard, or a lawful evil paladin of X, X deity. And those are treated in a universe with, like, objective things, you know, uh, you can talk about races in D&D having, I mean, they've, they've sort of softened that down by having, like, mostly evil races as opposed to inherently evil races, but then you still have, like, evil elementals who are just like a bit of hell that got up and started walking around and is made of burning babies, I guess. Um, and there's also the idea that you're just supposed to like, you know, accept that, oh, well, one of my party members is, you know, is evil and unrepentant. And I guess I just have to be okay with that. Like, you know, I don't have to like it, but I have to Because otherwise the group doesn't work. Yeah. I'm a lawful good, I'm a lawful good paladin. He's a chaotic evil cleric. <laughs> who, and uh, their roommates? Specifically, <laughs> they were roommates. Yeah, it's like the Dungeons oh and Dragons God, version centrist of centrists. Like, well, you know, I don't agree with him, but I have to respect his opinion. Like, oh, fun fact. Do you know who hates democracy more than any other political, um, uh, like any other political group? This is uh, Chris's political sidebar. Yeah, from a from a uh, like a data standpoint, it's apparently centrists hate democracy more than the right or the left. Huh. <laughs> but yeah, it's literally like the, the this has you been... know Chris's political sidebar. <laughs> yeah, it, it's literally like, well, you know, I find his views abhorrent, but you know, I will defend to the death his right to hold them. You know, because he'll I mean, kill goblins with me. He's awful, <laughs> but you know what? He brought he brought jobs back to uh, not New Mexico. I think the main difference with like the D and D style fantasy alignment system is that it's basically positing good and evil, chaos and law as like measurable, quantifiable things that like are part of a person and like affect the way the magic works and affect the way some parts of physics work. So, like, when you're dealing with that level of setting intrusion into, like, character decision and motivation, it's it's a little, it's a really fine hair to split playing an evil character because you, you're, you are constitutively recognized by the universe as evil. There is no fooling yourself. There's so, a decent part of the population that can just look at you funny and then kill you and say, like, yeah, he was evil. Yeah, the no, hold up. Let me, get, let me get my god. Yep, god said he was evil. It's the D&D version of standing your ground. <laughs> oh, fuck. Right, which, which sort of, like, forces a GM to enforce some kind of, like, thing on the game if you're going to, like, play with moral ambiguities at all, right? Yeah. Because messing around with the alignment system in D&D completely changes your character and the way they interact with the setting. Do you think the fact that you have like a numerical value for how big of an asshole you are negates some of the need for that particular aspect of role playing? Like, sure, those numbers inform certain decisions and ways that you approach things. But... I think alignments work best when they're used as like character seeds. You know, it, it's like a writing prompt. You get like lawful good and a very basic general point of like lawful means broadly this, good means broadly this go right and yeah. so like if you're playing a lawful good guy you know like okay well he's probably gonna work maybe like this and well like that but i think that sort of runs into the barrier of and then heaven is real yeah <laughs> and then there's a language that only evil people speak it's like oh 
I honestly think Planescape did a good job of this in that they like they acknowledged the idea of alignment and as kind of a fucked up system and then they like said, by the way, the setting is based in a world with pure moral relativism. So yeah, all these things objectively exist. You're still in fucking sigil. Mm-hmm. Sigil, it's a hard go. Hey, you know what, Patrick? <laughs> I hear that and I just want to say sigil and go fuck yourself. Patrick Jeez. probably says gif instead of gif. It's yeah, like actually, go fuck uh, yourself. It's actually sigil. <laughs> <laughs> RPX, we're like a hockey game and fights break out sometimes. I think in moving on from alignment and keeping in D&D, there is a, a like one eighth of the class system is crime doer. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then another eighth of it is crime stopper. And like that's like I mean set aside from mechanics, you can have like technically you can have a lawful good rogue or a, mm. a chaotic evil paladin, but like again you've got like by definition your guy is good at breaking into things and stabbing people in the back. I was I actually like did a thought experiment a while ago to try to make a lawful good rogue. Sherlock Holmes. Came... <laughs> no, he's not a rogue. Well, he's not lawful, arguably. Yeah, like, uh, the only thing I could think of was either, like, John D. or a locksmith. Ice-T from Law & Order. I wouldn't yeah. say Ice-T's a rogue. He knows way too much about drugs. He's a, um, he, he's a he's fighter. A ranger. Yeah, oh. he's a fighter or ranger. <laughs> and then and then again, like, the typical, like, law enforcement class is paladin, often? Like, I literally played a paladin cop in a Pathfinder game once. It was actually a lot of fun because the GM was like, "Ah, oh, shit, <laughs> if you've got like legit legal authority on top of being able to detect evil, that makes you incredibly like socially disruptive in all my uh, nice uh, <laughs> like social dramas. Because like, well, there's a murder mystery. I go around and look at people weird. Is he evil? <laughs> he is. Um... <laughs> Actually, real quick, I would like to make a case for, uh, I just realized Ice-T being a rogue he released a song and an album called Cop Killer. So, <laughs> I mean, he also read an audiobook a book about Driss Doerden, So that's true. That, that, he can be a rogue and be a dork. <laughs> oh no, he had no fucking clue what this was. Like his Look, podcast, he's, he's like I have no a, idea what this shit was. He's only a rogue on the bad days. On the good days, he doesn't even have to pick up his AK. <laughs> uh, that's Ice T. No, wait, that's Ice Cube, not Ice-T. Oh, Ice Cube, excuse me. <laughs> uh, fun fact, a friend of mine saw Ice-T live with his metal band that he has called Body Count. Oof. And apparently on stage, he like he was firing a Glock with blanks, but he was like firing <laughs> directly like right next to the microphone. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a bard then. I think that's Barbarian. <laughs> Barbarian. Oh, my God. All I'm saying is Ice-T can multi-class. Okay, so... Okay, we, so, back yeah. to the discussion. <laughs> but, like, you don't feel... Okay, so we were talking about how, like, being playing, like, a shitty person can make us feel gross or worry about it. But that doesn't seem to kick in when I'm playing a rogue, right? Yeah, I believe so, just because... I mean, it's its own character type. Well, of course, I mean, you can play a shitty person and not be wearing that mantle, but I think the mantle itself is enough excuse. Does that make sense? Well, we have um, we have archetypes for, like, heroic rogues, right? Like, Robin Hood is a thing, right? Yeah. Like, you, but we don't have an archetype for, like, a heroic member of, like, 
the Proud Boys because they don't exist. <laughs> the brave little clansmen. Excuse you, sir. <laughs> Gavin McGinn's died for your sins, even though he's still alive. Gavin McGinn spread his butthole on camera for your sins. <laughs> right, but like, well, who oh has done that, Patrick? <laughs> but like, there's a there's a difference between like the thing he did. <laughs> on to a, a like a disruptive culture hero archetype thing right like a robin hood or like a trickster figure and latching on to like something that's contemporary evil that's fairly close to home yeah 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 maybe we should like go at this a different way try to brainstorm people we would want to play in a fucking terrible campaign literally anybody in knights black agents or uh ua like for real like you can have UA characters that are decent people. It's not easy. Name one. I would I would argue that UA is not about playing an evil person. It's about playing somebody who's desperate. Yeah. And desperation broken. can go from yeah, desperate and broken, and those can come from very yeah. sympathetic areas. Like I'm like in real life, I'm kind of a broken person, but I'm not fucking evil. Yeah, like. Go ahead, Patrick. Not really quiet. We, I was going to say, um, we could. Uh, we, we were sort of talking about how, um, you know, we, we don't like people who like are participating in what we consider actively evil, but then do they think it's actively evil? I think in UA and in um, Knights Black Agents, because you're playing, I mean, former spies, but still spies, like motivation is a mechanical thing. Like you have character motivations, like revenge on the vampires or um, duty to your country. Mm-hmm. And so, like, some of those aren't inherently evil, you know. D- Doing what's best for, for king and countries, well, as long as you're not playing in a time, time period where imperialism is still a thing, uh, is you usually not the modern bad. day where imperialism is still a fucking thing? Uh, another political sidebar from Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Please continue, Patrick. Well, no, that's my point. Like, we're sort of getting into, again, that point of we're, maybe it's less our morality versus like our assumed agency of the group we're playing like if if you're saying you're playing someone who is serving their country doing bad things in the name of their country you can sort of go well that's understandable yeah. so much as like we look at the, the people like the proud boys and the alt right we sort of go like we can't make that connection we can't see that um, what they think they're doing it for it and uh, maybe if i could read minds i could see like oh they believe they're doing this to Save a kitten on the other hand, on the other side of that pride parade. Um, but yeah, except uh, like the thing is, their their motivation is explicit. Like they're killing protesters because they want to recreate a white ethno state. Okay, so like, I, I was gonna back out completely and explain what I mean when I say problematic. It's not explicitly evil. It is like people who do who are, are more on the morally gray edge of things than people who are like explicitly just cinnamon roll characters right when somebody is problematic it's not a mustache twirling right it's not like it's a complete hands-off right problematic doesn't mean proud boy necessarily although proud Proud boys are problematic right it also includes things like you know assassins for the government if you're in ua or not in ua if you're knights back agents or if you're like an async and eclipse phase who doesn't understand how to live in a society and only thinks about themselves, selfishness, narcissism, and, you know, being not terribly discriminating with violence. Those are all problematic things. And how do we negotiate that? Um, is it all right if I bring this back to one of my characters? Mm-hmm. If you like, 
This is actually a perfect example of Benson from the Tech Diff game, from uh, No Soul. He's, the way I'm trying to play him is that he is a very, very nice person um, who is going through a lot, who also is extremely holier than thou, and he doesn't realize it. Like, he, he he's the sort of person who's like, he, he just gets angry whenever anyone else uses their demonic powers. Because but he will that's, use it without caring. Oh no, he'll beat himself up afterwards a bit, but like he's he can always justify it. And like my my whole character arc for this guy is that like it's just getting worse and worse and he's digging himself deeper. But like he he can justify it every time cuz yeah, no, I it, this is a bad thing and I'm not a bad person, so maybe I can control it. Like that that's what I think of when I think of a problematic character. Vince, I think I had a bit of an epiphany, buddy. Yeah. I think for me I can play an asshole if I've seen it portrayed in a film and there's that disassociation with that. Like any, anything that I've seen in a movie and not a newsreel doesn't seem real. And therefore I could, if I needed to play a monster character who did horrible things, you know, I just fall back on what I've seen in film and I can clearly say that's not real as opposed to if I were wanting to, you know, play an iconoclast and play, you know, ISIS characters and stuff like that. We've all seen the images and the, the horrible atrocities that they've done. And being able to, I guess, model it off of a safer medium for me is uh, possibly easier. And I didn't mean to cut you off here, Chris. It just it kind of... No, you're fine. I had to throw it up there. I, I think me and you are going about this at two different angles. I'm, I'm playing a character of what I've seen portrayed elsewhere, whereas you're kind of taking a, deep, a deeper stance with it. No, I, I think they're they're both valid ways of looking at this. You, you kind of have to think about the character as symbol or character as person. And uh, it, it's pretty clear that I'm just big on hypocrisy, so... <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a bit about um, fantasy. We talked about like how some genres have very uh, explicit, like, this is a good thing, this is a bad thing. Other genres are kind of rooted in shades of grey. Like, the uh, crime fiction noir especially is everyone's at least a little dirty, right? You have, like, the rough detective, the corrupt cop, the dame with a secret, the politician on the grift, the, the mob boss, and that. So would you feel, if, if it was explicitly a noir game where nobody is clean playing uh, a character, you would find, like, that level of asshole in another context that you wouldn't want to play normally? That's just, uh, that's just genre convention at that point. So, like... At that, so like the the moral weight of the whole thing is sort of removed from the player entirely. But where does play, genre convention come into like playing of the playing the shitty character? Like, I mean, where is the calculus how, there? It depends, I guess, how you play it. If like your shitty character role playing is like something that is antisocial, out of character, and disrupts the gameplay in a way that is not fun for people, that I think is the line in like a, a genre where everybody is a little fucked up and bad. I mean, yes, obviously like this is all with the, I think it should go, it, it, sh- it should go implicit, but I don't think it does in this, this day and age. Uh, obviously don't do anything that you aren't explicitly clear with people at the table. They are okay with like, it's why I floated that idea with you first. Uh, I wouldn't have just like sprung it on you guys. Um, same with like a character you're playing. Uh, or an action you can take if you think is going to touch into an area that's going to be be upsetting to everyone else. So, like, yes, um, there there is also that out of fiction 
element. Like I, we were sort of going from like personal to genre conventions and then like out of the fiction at the table. I don't think anyone wants to play. I think everyone like if someone was playing uh, an evil paladin to their right and notices, notices I'm getting a little too worked up about the stuff about killing orcs would get a little uh, sketchy around that person in real life if they were being a little too let's all kill all the goblins and it's, it gets to a point where it's clear that they're not talking about goblins are they? So like yeah there is obviously that that interpersonal not in fiction uh, element uh, bringing it back to the, the genre level that I brought it up about, I think Iconoclast was an interesting example because it was a horror scenario with the implicit assumption that most of you aren't surviving. So it doesn't matter. I mean, that's not necessarily how the play experience would be, but I think the logic in constructing the scenario is you can play Nazis if the scenario is walking into a combine harvester. <laughs> and I mean, there are also games that are based on that, like Fear Itself. The, the gumshoe game is literally based on like you're kind of shitty people. Yeah, each mm. each, each character has does have a flaw. Yeah, I mean horror in general is is like noir, one of those much more shades of gray. Sorry, there's a car going past. Uh, one of those quite morally shades of gray genres. Like you'll have a demon, like and that's like very obviously bad. But then like it's also kind <laughs> of punishing you for your sins. So on your end, you're probably not great either. Well, I mean that's just, that's the slasher convention. Right. Mm. That's that's why I framed like, you know, being in a horror scenario as essentially being in a slasher movie. If you're doing a one shot or you're playing someone problematic, chances are you as a player aren't terribly attached and you are going to die because that's the genre convention. Like, and, and, but instead of being like teens who are showering in abandoned houses, you're a Nazi, uh, arguably a better reason to die than showering in an abandoned house. <laughs> Hey, who knows? That abandoned house could have asbestos in it. And then that's just that's just something you want to tell the people around you. Don't shower in houses with asbestos in it. Well, maybe those horny teens shouldn't be sinning in houses that don't belong to them, Vince and Christopher. <laughs> My last thing isn't Christopher. I said Vince and. Oh, I thought you said Vincent Christopher. Like, that's weird. <laughs> also, my name isn't Christopher either. Hey, God say- damn it, you knew what I meant. I seen Go this ahead. really good Southern horror film called It Follers. Have you seen It Follers? <laughs> oh, It Follers! I loved It Follers. Like I loved how she had that shell uh, iPad where she read the books, and then she farted, and then like the zombie ate her. It follows you down to the holler. <laughs> it follows you down to the piggly wiggly. That is the sequel. <laughs> Sorry to interject humor in there, but yeah, it no, no, it's like good. Pop. It's good. So I think we're like hitting on a lot of really good points here. I, if you know, we're talking about distance, we're talking about jumping into tropes and all. And um, I think when you mentioned iconoclast, we're also more or less kind of going as if you're and you know Nazis walking into a combine kind of deal. Just if you're playing assholes in a one shot scenario and stuff like that, you would the typical inclination would be to lean into it, so to speak, and just do stupid stuff just to see them die? Is that kind of like what we were getting at before I went hillbilly comedy? Yeah. This also implies, of course, that campaign play with problematic characters is much more difficult, much more nuanced, right? Like, Chris had to walk a much finer line with Operator than, you know, 
one would have to in like a divine fire one shot or something. Yeah. So yes, I think uh, I think in the, we also have the idea of you know because we're assembling this collective fiction. Uh, so if, especially if it's a horror game, we can all sort of agree. Okay, we're telling our own horror story. Death is is part of this. So like we don't get we don't get attached. We don't have the. Um, I'm not going to go down into the scary basement because I don't want my character to die. Well, it's a one shot. It's a horror one shot, and it's a character I'm not attached to. So I'm going to take actions, not even necessarily moral act or ethical actions, but just like walking down the staircase into the haunted house. Uh, you know, really pragmatic level stuff in the yeah. fiction that I probably wouldn't like, even like try not to metagame most of the time in a character that I was somewhat invested in. Yeah. So it's it's kind of an interesting idea, though, man. I dig that. It's like you know we've got our disposable characters, and then even if we're playing horrible monsters, we've also got our ones that you know we're going to go to distance with, so to speak. And I think you know for me at least, the one that I would want to go to distance would be the one that I would hopefully feel like I could flesh out a little bit better than just a character of evil. Yeah, and obviously this isn't saying like only play characters you entirely philosophically agree with. Like that's not productive. <laughs> that's not uh, that's not helpful at all. Um, I mean, if that was the case, I would only play fucking Prince Kropotkin all the goddamn time. I mean, you do tend to play anti-authoritarian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, every character you play, regardless of how bad or good they are, is to some extent uh, a reflection and extension of your personality. Even in a one-shot scenario where you're leaning into it, you're still bringing yourself into that space. Yeah, you're putting so, yourself into mm-hmm. that. Has- so oh. when you're when you're doing it over a long-form campaign, it might behoove you to think about it ahead of time so you don't reveal something that you're not super comfortable with, or you know, engage with a part of yourself that you're not quite ready to air out. To continue along that idea, I actually make that a point whenever I make a character. Every single time I make a character, it's in some way a reflection of myself in some good or bad manner. Like, as I mentioned earlier, Operator is my um, weird manipulative self trying to get out. Benson is my anxieties, things like that. Like, no matter what you do, you are always playing some aspect of yourself. Even if it's just like, I hit the orc for 10 damage, roll the die. Your character, you as a person, tend to hit orcs, sometimes for 10 damage. Stop, not, stop stop violence against orcs. But like that's not what I'm getting at. Like the idea is that you no matter what you do in any sort of thing with role playing, you are putting a part of yourself into it. So you have to think about what you're doing. Okay, so we need to be mindful. And I, I kinda like yeah. that approach too, and it kinda goes back to the pizza gate stuff we were talking about earlier there. You've got to be mindful of how much you kind of want to stare into this abyss, so to speak. Well, and it- yeah, it's self mindfulness, but it's also table mindfulness. It's genre mm-hmm. mindfulness. Like you can't just throw a character into any scenario, into any group of people. Like there's a lot of construction that goes into this, and I think that's something that has to yeah. be considered in this context specifically. So, do yeah. we have like a big mission statement for this one here? Like, like some bullet points we could put up on. Um. First of all, don't be evil. Second of all, be like Google and remove the clause of don't be evil. <laughs> and then just be evil. I like that. But I mean, the bullet point on uh, as a, like a how to or things to consider when doing this, what would you guys think would be the big takeaway from 
I think, I mean, this is going to sound very repetitive, but communication is super good and important. So, like, mm -hmm. if you have the idea of something that might, you know, if, if you, oh, I, I don't want to play someone who is just another goody-goody in my in a D&D game, like, approach the table, say, hey, guys, how would you feel about a mixed alignment group in, in your D&D game? Or um, if you've got, like, we had a scenario premise that might involve getting into uh, painful areas, approach that with the group first to see if they're okay with it. Um, I would also a, go ahead. I would I would also say consider why you want to play the evil character. Like what about it appeals to you? Think about like the base aspects of it. It's, so it's if it's the mechanical <laughs> aspect, then just be sh like be aware of that that you're that's what you're focusing on. Is that what yeah. you're kind of saying? Is that right, Chris? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, I think another important point was like be aware of. I guess the optics would be the phrase. So if you uh, bring to the table, hey guys, I'd like to play a uh, paladin, you know, a lawful evil paladin of X, Y, and Z. Be aware that, like, that's going to maybe color how everyone at the table sees you, and uh, especially how you go about pursuing your, you know, nefarious agenda. And think about and maybe... why you want to play that as well. No? Yeah, yeah. But, but also, like, while you're doing that, like, when, even once you've thought that through, just be aware that. You know, you're you're existing in a society. You have to be aware that, like, that's probably going to manufacture drama where there wasn't before, both in and out of character. And how are you going to respond to that? You know, if okay. if you're coming down and saying, "I want to play the hero, the villain," and everyone else around you is like, "Well, I I kind of want to play the hero," like, congratulations, you just made drama. <laughs> Go. Well, there's, there's a difference between I want to play the villain and I want to play a character with an evil alignment. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was being overly uh, it's fair. It's, yeah, but they're like in my various online games, there is um, one character and player I really admire for the for the delicacy with which they handle their character, who is a uh, lawful evil uh, Ronin samurai. Right? They are trying to exact revenge for the death of their lord, and they are hell bent on doing it. But they do it in a very particular, very like legalistic and very honor bound way, you know, like that's a very, that's a, that's a character type, you know, and that's like a goal and a mission. It's not a good mission. It's not the best mission, but it's, it's not playing the villain. They are the hero of their own story. Mm -hmm. Like I said, like you, you have to think about it, like consider the underlying meaning for why your character is doing this thing and consider how it work mesh with the group. Operator, despite herself being a fucking monster in the 10k setting, she meshed really well. Like, everyone fucking hated her, but she worked with them really fucking well. In, in Compared to my other character, Iditarod, who doesn't really mesh. You well, have to think about, like, the way these things interact, too. Yeah. In fairness to Iditarod, though, I think he'd prefer just living with dogs. Tons of puppers. Oh, no, he... Yes, but he also loves people. It's just he doesn't like murderers. And now he has to deal with them all the time. I get over that hang-up in the loss, buddy. Yep. <laughs> Aaron? Yes? Do you have any uh, final points? So here's the thing. I think you guys have all covered this far more cogently, eloquently, and insightfully than I have anything to contribute to. I'm elegant. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> have you seen? Uh, have you have you all seen the dress that Adam is wearing right now? Jesus oh my God, it's Adam's 
Adam sounded like he was coming up behind me in the woods, like <laughs> I'm elegant, y'all come here. <laughs> no, you got you guys do not understand the prom dress Adam is wearing right now. It's Adam. Adam, you beautiful. have to excise that clip and use it as just like a string. How <laughs> Milligan. By the way, I'm so good. I have worn a prom dress before. Just saying. Uh, anyway, I here's the thing. I don't. I don't know if this will be a surprise or not, but I don't. I tend to not really create a character with any kind of persona in mind. I just kind of no. Let just kind of let them become what they're going to be. So I don't, I don't know that I have a whole lot of, of stuff to offer on this final point. It's just, I don't know. I prefer in personally when creating characters, instead of starting out beforehand with like, okay, my character believes this, this, and this, I just kind of like to let the game inform and let them grow. So I don't know. That can, that can be, yeah, like that can be good because it, it, it keeps you from having, like, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Like, it doesn't put boundaries on your character, but it also, you know, you learn what works and doesn't work. Like, I mean, I'm sure, Chris, you'd say that the early version, like, the version of Abe from the first couple games of your UA campaign was not like the version in, well, you know, that set himself on fire. Yes, but <laughs> I but would he- also, I would also say that you always come come in with certain ideas about what your character is, even if you don't realize what they are. That's fair. It's just, I I don't know. I may, it's possible that I start with an unconscious idea of what, what a character is going to be, but I don't know. I think that's a hallmark of an Aaron character. God, that sounds pretentious, but like... <laughs> you're, the, you're a reactive player. And that's, yeah, like, that's entirely fine. That is a good way of doing things. Yeah, like it. no character that I create ends the way they start like the character of munchkin she is not quite the same she's pretty similar but it's i don't know there's less well oppositional defiance i guess i, I kind of like your approach here because it, it it for me it takes if i think about it like that and I, I think it's genuine what you're saying but it takes some of the pressure off you know you you have a loose concept and i'm sure this is what everybody does unless they draft out like a three-page backstory or something like that but you have a loose concept call it their history and then you let them be malleable to the story yeah also, like, also like it's we're going to be somewhere when we get a tv tropes page and it's like an aaron character becomes a like <laughs> you know what that's okay i'll i accept my fate but i, I just will personally drink hemlock when we get a tv tropes page but uh what kind of, what kind of <laughs> that's a backer <laughs> backer reward at five hundred dollars. You'll see Chris drink hemlock. Chris reenacts uh, the death of Socrates. Chris Why? only drinks locally Fox sourced Fox. hemlock. Locally sourced, responsibly farmed. I grew this hemlock myself. I got hemlock the craft brew. It's going to be difficult to get the right hemlock in America because, like, the hemlock is a different plant in America. So, like, you can't just grow a fucking pine tree in your backyard and kill yourself with it, I'm sorry to say. The fuck I can't. <laughs> Is that a challenge? Chainsaw. You can, you just need a chainsaw and not to move. <laughs> I will find a way to kill myself with American hemlock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
cue to me I, posting a video in the group me just up like in the higher the higher uh, branches of a, of a pine tree. Vince says, I can't do this. This noose and this tree say otherwise. Jesus Christ. And, and this is how RPX ends a serious topic. Oh, that was my a thing. God. Was a dick joke. Okay. Holy shit. No, that was a suicide joke, Adam, not a dick joke. Jesus. <laughs> you don't want to put your dick in a lasso? Well... What the fuck does that mean? I think we've all just learned something about Mr. Thornsburg. (laughs) (laughs) You know what they say about Pecos Pecos Bill? He lassoed a dick. (laughs) The biggest dick in the West. I'm just imagining like, I'm not saying his dick's big, but it's hung like... (laughs) (laughs) So recently, this is actually the first episode we've recorded since the launch of our Patreon account. And I would like to take a few moments to thank our very generous backers that have chipped in and helped us meet our goals. Now we're going to have to make some more goals again. Hemlock at $500. But <laughs> casting calls immediately following. No, Chris, you're very important to me, buddy. Don't leave me. Uh, it's okay. I can't die. I'd like to take a moment to thank our good friend Brownie Davis. Dude, you were a big inspiration for me getting on my off my ass and actually obligating to this. So, thank you. Alphabetically next is Chris Hammond. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're fucking welcome. It's not like I've been trying to force you to do this for I know, fucking it's... a year. Yeah, thanks or whatever, Chris. Oh, fuck <laughs> yeah, you're all right. I've run from responsibility and obligation, and Chris has like not only helped me get the podcast off the ground encouragement and berating but also the patreon so thanks buddy can't wait to go hang out with you so also i'd like to thank micah mike thank you very much buddy i appreciate the hookup and also friend from the discord kevin Impley. Impley. Yeah. well thank uh, you either way kevin thank you very much kevin we also have lonnie harris a man who certainly does not need any introduction but we'll give him one anyway thank you very i'm much. sorry i sold you that one time lonnie <laughs> Red Marcus hashtag. Well, I fucked it up. I'm too old to hashtag stuff. <laughs> Patrick's uh, out here, out here selling people. I'd also like to take a moment to thank Noah Carden. Thank you very much for Who? you know chipping in. Who? And- Who's that guy? Small soft <laughs> boy. <laughs> I haven't seen him for a while. And also Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. I didn't mean to just thank everybody on the podcast here. No, uh, that's all right. <laughs> no, no, you thank us. You thank us right now. I, oh, uh, Aaron. So when when are you going to donate to our Patreon? Oh, Aaron, are you not supporting? Are you not committed to Sparkle Motion? Uh, so I'm here helping you motherfuckers create content. Suck my dick. What was Sparkle off of, Patrick? I don't even know. Was that Napoleon Dynamite? Okay. I've never seen it. I just hear it's one of those things I hear other people referring to. It's what they call a meme, Adam. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll look that up. Oh, you mean the dank mayme? Speaking of dankness, I'd like to also thank our good friend Burke. Thank you very much for your contributions. And Ross Payton, also your podcast. Yeah, he has a- Ross Payton of role playing public radio. He's a I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry of what? He sounds like a monster. Role playing public radio. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like some sort of horrible monster. I bet he likes vaporwave. All right, I'd like to have a roast from the people that have just given us money. Also, uh, Spencer Harris, thank you from the Mix Six podcast. Thank you very much for your Spencer. I'm sorry, you're wrong. 
<laughs> I, had spores, I, I had my first spores at 20, uh, Gen Con 2018 in the great crunching the mix six live and i'm sorry i'm sorry spencer you're just wrong about s'mores yeah, i, th- I anyway. think i'm watching the patreon right now we've just lost all of our subscribers oh well. uh, good <laughs> we don't need them. <laughs> back to blowing people in the arby's bathroom i guess all right <laughs> and finally i'd like to thank our newest uh, uh patreon donor uh sandcastle Simonson. thank you very much uh, appreciate all the kindness you're going to definitely help keep the lights on uh for quite some time. Also, Sandcastles has a patron of her own, and it is extremely good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, check. seriously, check it out. Holy Le- shit, that's awesome. The $10 level is called Smut Boss, and I want that on my fucking headstone. <laughs> <laughs> so please go over and check out Sandcastle Leffington's uh, Patreon. So, Also, I should say, um, I have been making a lot of jokes about our patrons. Y'all are fucking fantastic. I love you to death. Oh, it's, it's, I don't know why you would support my toxic ass, but... I display emotion, but I'm British. I can't. <laughs> uh, let's see. I've got folksy wisdom. What? No, nah, thanks, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to kind of keep this short and sweet, but I'm just uh, kind of like our shout-outs and anecdotes here. I've, God damn it. I've got the biggest problem in the world, guys. See, I bought Spider-Man, or Spider-Man, and Spider-Man is fucking awesome, and I don't really want to go into it because I'm afraid I'll ruin it, but let me just tell you that that Insomniac took everything that was awesome about Infamous, Infamous 2, and Infamous Second Son, and put in the web mechanic and an awesome story. I absolutely love it, and I've got to beat it before this coming Friday when Red Dead Redemption turns, kicks out, and all I do is stare at horse nuts and shoot people. So uh, this is a problem I face. I'm glad they're still making PS2 games. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. fucking spider! It, it's got PS4 hardware on it. it. It is fucking a PS2 game in like all its goddamn like. It's a, fucking a PS2 things. game. My it's, God! <laughs> like smart. I love it. It's all the great stuff about PS2 games. But I'm just like, yeah. The reason I love this is because it, it feels like it's something I was playing like when I was 15 on a PS2 <laughs> on a PS4. It's right, no, uh, it's no Aquaman sixty-four. I'll tell you that much. Jesus. All right, assholes. The first game was called Red Dead Revolver. This is Red Dead Redemption Two. I think. I think I'm right, but I'm not gonna right. look it up. I have to bounce real quick, but I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and it's just fine. It's not great. It's okay. I love you all. I have to go. Sorry, something came up. It's okay. Here, Maddie. Get out. Yeah. Bye. Jesus. All right. Uh, oh, wait, quick. Before I go, uh, I've got another sort Southern horror movie title for y'all. Uh, last house down the way. You want to take a left at the church and then a right at the fried chicken place. Uh, that was my attempt at Southern Directions. I'm sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Never that, from again. Uh-huh. <laughs> with that. It was meant to be last um, house on the left, I think. All right. So who else uh, has anything you'd like to share? Uh, also, my uh, Southern horror movies would be... Uh, Halloween? <laughs> no? Okay. Sorry. No. Halloween? Now, Patrick. Oh, you're not, you're no, you are no longer a part of our people. I'd have to, like, for it to be British South, I'd have to go, like, really posh. Like, us, it, we, we have the, we basically have, like, the North South divide you have, but flipped. Uh, like, I'm, I'm in the North and we're the, you know, <laughs> rust belty, uneducated ones, and then down South you get the, the rich landowners. all right so anyways um i have not been playing video games because i have been trapped in a work dungeon but uh i've been trying to catch up on darkest dungeon 
real good. Play that game, y'all. I bought it, but I never played it. But it looked cool. It's really, it's really fun. It's tough. It's not actually like it. It is not a game about like traveling dungeons. It is. It is a game about being the guy who puts people into meat grinders. You're the old man in the tavern. Oh God, Adam's here. The other Adam. Uh, and if we're doing like video game shoutouts, I've been getting back into Fallout Four, so I've been skulking around uh, the post-apocalyptic ruins of uh, Vince's apartment and shooting ghouls. Oh wait, it's in Boston. That's yeah, a joke. Okay. It's in Boston and like, Cambridge. And, and I looked that. around. I was like, "What? What?" I mean, also, I've been re- replaying New Vegas because it's just a fucking fantastic. This is my second go at it, and the first time I did sort of go like, "Eh." And then I've I've come back to it. I think having grown on it. I think I think what put me off the first time a lot was they made the shooting. They, they transferred the shooting over from uh, Vegas, which had more like iron sights and like was more of a traditional um, FPS than an RPG. And I, I think it didn't quite scan as well in the uh, in, in four. And obviously, there's like, well, you have to build all these fucking settlements, and that feels like busy work. But uh, this is the time I'm just I'm just like ignoring a lot of that. And I'm just doing the like explore the wastes thing, uh, which I think is more of a core to it, and I'm enjoying it a lot more. I'm honest, like I will eventually get Fallout Four, but I'm worried about it because my idea of Fallout is one and two and New Vegas, which are very much games about the underlying ideas of the universe. And I don't think Todd Howard can do that. Yeah, I don't know because like a lot of Vegas was Chris Alvalon, wasn't it? I'm not sure what his role, if if any, was on uh, on four. Oh, he wasn't a part of it at all. Oh, there you go. Right, uh, I'm afraid you kind of joined us at the the end. This is us tailing off and doing like, do we want to do shoutouts or anything, Adam? Yeah, Adam from Tech Diff, would you like to jump in and give a shout out to anything? Oh my God, torture is no sleep training is torture. Yes, I mean we we talked about uh, no soul for a while and about how Benson is a fucking awful human being. You want to talk about Noble for a little bit? Okay. Because okay. this game is about, like, this entire episode is about horrible monsters. Let's let's be super clear. Benson may be a cowardly fucker, but so is Noble. <laughs> They're just cowardly in very different ways. But how are they cowardly in different ways? Like, that's, that's the thing about this. Like, this is about bad people. So, if I had to say, I would, I would make the claim that Noble's closer to being a UA character. In that he has decided that the way to embrace the brokenness that is implicit in whatever Noah the fuck Noah's doing is just to like lean in. And you contrast that with Benson, who has these delusions of like morality. And it's just, God, I can't wait for one of the other of them to kill the other. Adam, you do realize your profile picture looks like that? <laughs> it really does look like a serial killer. For the <laughs> listeners, he is doing the Mr. Burns hands. <laughs> I can't wait for one of them to kill the other, he says, with a Mr. Burns hands icon. Excellent. Look, I haven't changed in 10 years to be a break. <laughs> you were that in that more about you than anything else. Adam, <laughs> you were in that position 90% of the time I was over at your house. <laughs> You're the one that said the giggles worse in person. You were also in that position they, where we they fucking are. played No Soul at Gen Con. Yes, I was. <laughs> I'm speaking of Gen Con games, I did apologize for selling Lonnie that one time. <laughs> ah, so you finally admitted it. What to be fair, I only put down a deposit on him. 
Wow. He was playing an enemy and I was playing a, a hustler and I was like, you know, it's a one shot. Uh, and then I managed to blag uh, a big uh, deposit on on the immune, and then I was like, I'm just going to run with that, and then like change and my ID. Didn't go well. Didn't go well. The immune. This is the same game where Patrick murdered some dudes using fairy porn. I did. I mean, that's normal. Yeah, that that's that's about par for the course. <laughs> Look, if everyone's going to wear Google glasses, it's not their. It's not my fault. They're going to get their uh, eyes flooded with internet. <laughs> and internet. Uh, all right, so I don't have any video game shoutouts. Back to the topic. Yeah, I've been playing D anD D with friends from grad school, and I've been getting Gross. fucking published, baby. Hey. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Hey, um, when do you have anything out right now? Yeah, you can look me up in Aeon Magazine. Pull the title. Is that your piece on gamification? It is indeed. Uh, Adam, definitely make sure to. Uh, Add that to this thing because oh, holy shit, Vince is published. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got the link, and I'll that be, was the uh, second thing I published that month. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big show. Uh, Gamified I... Life. The article is called Gamified Life. Cool. It's a good article. Thanks. It's super interesting. Uh, I will actually do a shout out um, for the thing that has consumed my mind, just Stellaris. Um, I thought you were going to say your baby. Well, I'll do that. Um, I blame. <laughs> oh, blame what? Wait, Adam has a baby? Yes, a little tyrant. Listen to her now on Tech Death. You you can. I'm sure I've, I, I'm sure I would have heard of her beforehand. Uh, she's featured on the Gen Con live episode of the Mix Six and the live episode of RPPR. Oh my God, this baby is already being corrupted. It's great. The, the cool thing is, Adam, when you go back and listen to these things, like I, I found this out with my own kids. Like I hear my little my daughter who's now six years old when she was like four years old babbling in the background and it just you know it's 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 cool man. And that time she fell off a couch. Yes, she <laughs> fell off a couch, but she's okay. Is she though? So, so Stellaris, what's Stellaris, Adam? <laughs> um, Notice him dodging the question. That's fair. That's what fathers do. Um. <laughs> Stellaris is a 4X game put out by Paradox Games, the same motherfuckers who brought you um, Crusader Kings, um, Iron Hearts, Hearts of Iron, and another one that's in between those two times that I've forgotten. Europa Universalis. Europa Universalis, thank you. And the point of these games is you're an asshole, own the world. Uh, Or in the case of Stellaris, the galaxy. Um, and so you get to be either humans or human shaped, or you can be a fungus. It doesn't really matter. Um, and it's very, very detailed, very detailed. It's, it's a hell of a, um, what's the black box with the button? Skinner box. Skinner box. It's a hell of a Skinner box, especially for sleep deprived parents. I would say that comparing video games to Skinner boxes is a misappropriation of uh, behaviorism, but we can get into that later when we talk more about gamification <laughs> shit. Five out of five. Well, I think that's about all we got. Uh, Chris, I don't like doing the, this part. You care to do the closing part for me, little buddy? He's six foot three instead of my gigantic six foot four. I'm sorry. You're an inch taller than me. God damn you. <laughs> if you want to take the moral high ground, I'm six five. So, you know. <laughs> I will kick you both in the dick next gen car. <laughs> There's a reason why we have that picture of us like surrounding Noah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> all right. So, anyways, all right. So, um, this has been Role Playing Exchange. Uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you all for donating. The things that we do have that is nice, um, we have a an iTunes channel or I'm out of it. Sorry, guys. That's fine. We, yeah, we, uh, we have on. an iTunes. We're definitely on Podbean. I'm not sure if we're on Stitcher. We're we on. have a, a Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Uh, we obviously have a Patreon. Uh, please, please to go to there if you haven't um, already. Please reach out to us at the Role Playing Exchange on Twitter, or you can find us on the Role Playing Exchange on Facebook as well. Um, despite Patrick's objections. Um, our theme song is Critical Hit by Ghost Mice. If you want to check them out, you can look up Planet X Records for more folk punk goodness. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. No, shit, that's something else. <laughs> Ring that bell. Ring rate that bell. And, rate and review us, so long as it's a five-star rating. That sounds great. And mm-hmm. I've just got sidetracked because Darth just sent a message on Discord saying his colon was beautiful, and it just like shut my fucking brain down. On, the, on that note, Beautiful Collins. Uh, take care, everybody. <laughs> take care, guys. Beautiful Collins, take care. We did not think that this Don't thing. ever give up. Not all fights are won by skill. Some are won by luck. Don't ever give in. You've got to keep on trying till you lose or you win. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Wait with hope for the big two. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it roll, let it go.